0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Rome is in Manila. For me, May is the, well, um, language learning month. Now that Not that there's really a month devoted for it, but I just decided to make all of my podcast episodes for the month of May to be all about language learning. Mm, right now, in the Philippines, we're experiencing a strong typhoon, and we don't really have four seasons But for other countries in the Northern Hemisphere, it's actually springtime. You know what springtime feels like? Mm, There are lots of colorful flowers around, new tree leaves are starting to bud, and actually the scent of various fragrant flowers continue to fill the air. I recently read a book called The Wealthy Gardener by John Sephoric. And there he mentioned that people who are zero to 30 years old, are in the springtime of life. This period of time is when we learn from our family's biases, and this is also the time when optimism is at its peak. Okay, why am I mentioning this? It's because, based on my podcast statistics, majority of my listeners are actually in the age group 27 to 30. and So, wow, we are in the same age group isn't that fun well if you're not within this age group that's okay we're all in the springtime of our lives wherever i mean whatever age you have right now we're all in the springtime of our lives anyway i'm supposed to be talking about expanding um vocabularies today and i'd like to start with the word spring i didn't really give you a definition of spring and It's very easy to look it up, but I think with the things I've mentioned so far, you kind of already know what Spring is like, I mean, what it means. But, okay, I I, I will look it up. I mean, I'll look up the definition right now. Uh, From dictionary.com, there's actually a lot, but I'll just mention the definition that matches what I've mentioned a while back. So here is one definition. It says, in temperate zones, it is the season of the year following winter, and it's characterized by the budding of trees, growth of plants, the onset of warmer weather, etc. And now that's only one definition for the noun spring, because there's actually a lot more. And there's also spring, which is used as a verb, and it also has a lot of definitions and you know what most people learn vocabulary words by learning their definitions and that's how we usually learn in school it's it's not really bad and in fact i find it really helpful to first learn the definition of words to understand them better especially for very abstract words like bioremediation Okay, that's a very niche word, and I actually learned that word when I took some biochemical engineering electives in college. Of course, people in other industries also use that word, but we might have different definitions and understanding of the same word. That's why in learning any word, it's important to identify which context you're using it for. So right now we are looking at definition and context. I feel that these two things should always come together. Definition and context. How do you learn a new word, really? Or should I say, how do you encounter new words? Because it's different, right? Do you learn new words on purpose? Or do you encounter new words and then start learning them? These two things are very different. When you learn new words on purpose, maybe it could mean you are following a list of words to learn. Or maybe you are using an app with some sort of vocabulary builder. And it works for some people. If it works for you, that's good. But there are also other people who learn new words only when they encounter them. It's like when I read fiction and then I, suddenly I encounter a new word for the first time. And I have no clue what it means. Then first, I would try to understand it in context. Like how it is used and maybe make a guess of what it means. Then I'll list it down and maybe if I feel really... Like if I really feel in a hurry, I'll check the dictionary for a definition right away. And then I would link the definition with the context of what I have just read. That works for me. For vocabulary words, I prefer learning words when I need them. It's like learn something when you need something. I'm not sure if this is applicable for everything, but I find it really helpful to learn something as I need them. It seems to make it stick more. Um, There is a word for this. uh, As needed. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's that concept. As needed or... On the basis of need. I mean. I don't want to stress myself. Learning something I wouldn't really need or use. And when I need to know. What a word means. There's usually a story. Why I'm trying to learn it. So it will have a stronger. Memory power involved. Or like. It will make it stick to my memory. Stronger. For example. The most common words. Um, Thank you. And sorry. Did I tell you that. Almost everyone in the world knows how to say thank you and sorry in multiple languages. I didn't, right? But like, you know, um, salamat, thank you, kamsahamnida, arigato, gracias, merci, obrigada, Kopkuna, and yeah, these are all thank you, you know. These are just a few thank yous that I I know and maybe you also know in different languages and even if even if we didn't really study the language we might have learned these words by the concept of semantic chunking like these words are in different languages but they all mean the same thing thank you so when I group them like this um, it's so much easier to remember these words and what they mean yeah so Up to this point, I have shared with you most of what I have learned from the audiobook Building a Better Vocabulary by Kevin Flanagan. Of course, what I've shared might not seem very similar to the content of the book because, well, I have already included my understanding and interpretations of the concept. If you want to learn more, you should check his book. And by the way, this book is actually meant to help the reader build his or her english vocabulary but the concepts and theories in the beginning of the book i think it very much applies to any language so check it out if you want so um when it comes to building your vocabulary in a foreign language or even in english or filipino we actually need to make use of a strategy based on the same book that i've already mentioned in general A high school level education would usually equip us with about 25 to 50,000 words. So, if we mainly used English as our medium for education until high school, by the time we graduate, we know at least 25 to 50,000 words. And when we finish college, we'll have about 75,000. Probably majority of the added words are niche words in our field of study, but yeah. So, how many words do you think you know in your target language? How many? Um, okay. When I say target language, that's a foreign language you're studying, okay? And while there's there's no easy way to count the words, you know, there are actually quizzes online that would estimate the number of words you know by, well, yeah, taking those quizzes. Um, you know, from wordreference.com, for someone to virtually understand most things like tv shows news reports etc one should know about 10000 words in the target language and yeah it might also apply to yeah all other languages well that was for english but yeah i think it applies to other languages as well but if 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 your goal is to simply communicate in the language with no particular depth um you can start with a thousand or 2000 well these are just arbitrary numbers it doesn't really mean anything what matters more to me is how we encounter new words and how can we make sure that they get cemented in our long-term memory so from here i'd like to share with you um, two techniques that i myself employ there are dozens of methods and techniques for vocabulary building which you can find everywhere on the internet, but I'm sharing these two because these two techniques work for me and maybe it can work for you too. The first one is what I call find the missing key technique. I actually learned this from my Korean mentor and when he mentioned this, we weren't actually talking about learning languages, but instead he was he was simply talking about learning, learning in general. So, whether you are trying to expand your vocabulary or you're studying for your biology or organic chemistry exam, maybe this will help. Find the missing key. I don't want to make this very complicated, so I'll put it in simple terms. How do you find the missing key? Well, you wouldn't have a hard time if you know where you placed it. Technically, it wouldn't be missing if you knew, but that's the point. We find the missing key by not losing it in the first place. And that's how I'd like to go with vocabulary building. How do you not lose words? How do you not lose your key? There are several things people can do. You can make use of a keychain. By using a keychain, you're actually putting your keys, no matter how many keys you have, in one place. Well, there's a limit to the number of keys you can put on a keychain, but yeah, doing that helps. That's step one. Then next, where do you put this keychain? Where are you going to place it? If you keep changing where you stored it, there's a very high chance that one day you won't be sure where you left it. So put it in one place all the time. Maybe somewhere you're always looking at, somewhere easy to see, somewhere you already know so well. So cool. Are we cool? so you won't be missing your key anymore yeah (laughs) well that's that's how i like to approach vocabulary building say what did did i get you confused here okay i'm i'm also still learning how to explain this in an easy to understand way you know there are times when we really know what we're doing but when we're asked to, to explain it to others we sometimes find it difficult to explain in a way that's not roundabout. So, I'm trying. So, how does this come into play when expanding our vocabulary? Well, key to the keychain, keychain to the storage place which you'll never forget or which you always get to see or look at. Key to the keychain, keychain to the storage place. Okay, another comparison could be mental files or mental folders. I just really like the concept of keys because it's so easy to forget where we've placed our keys. Guilty here, and I yeah, I think it's the same with vocabulary So we need to put the key to the keychain and the keychain to where it should be to where it's easy to find So let's make this practical now So today I just found a new word in Korean while watching a vlog on YouTube The new word is hotu hotu It's my first time to hear this word and I actually don't know what it means and well but the the vlogger said that there are digital creators who start with hotu so that's the context what is hotu mm, I, I i still don't understand but somehow i got um some clues based on the context although it's not clear so i i had to look for its definition and now checking neighbor checking neighbor dictionary i couldn't find a korean definition you know, like Korean Korean definition. But it has a hanja, the Chinese characters, which has a lot of meanings. So there's two hanja, two Chinese characters for this. And checking out the meaning of the characters, I think the best match is something like false or empty sleeves. Okay, can you like can you make an image of that empty sleeves? Does that make sense? Well, I, I, find, I found out that the actual meaning of the word is sham, pretense, or even simulation. Now, how can I remember this word? Will I ever use it again? I'm really not sure, but I looked for sample sentences, and one goes like this. 운동을 헛으로 해서 I exercised for nothing. Hmm, Interesting. And then another sentence goes like this. I won't use it meaninglessly or I won't use it in a massive manner or something like that so hmm, different context and different meanings so while studying this word I realized that hotu seems to related to homu which means emptiness or futility so uh, now I double check the Chinese characters for the syllables ho. Because they both have ha, ha tu, and ha mu. And found out that ha for both of these words are actually the same. The Chinese characters are the same. So, you know, I've known the word ha mu for so long now, and it's like engraved in my brain already. And so, putting the key, the new key that I have, the word ha tu, to the keychain where ha mu is already placed at, is one way to easily remember the meaning of ha tu. So, yeah, that's like putting them in the same keychain, awesome, right? And now what's putting the keychain to the storage place? Well, I, I think it's by chunking them together in a mental file or mental folder in my brain, saying that they both are related to nothingness, emptiness. But to could go as far as pretense to show something even though there's really nothing. Now, I will surely remember to. Yeah, i think i will remember it from now on even if i've only heard it once but here's one very important thing multiple exposures across different contexts what multiple exposures across different contexts i need to be exposed to these same word in very different contexts so that i could have a better understanding of how this word is used a better understanding of what it really means okay So, yeah, my point for the missing key technique is very simple. Start with what you already know. If you encounter a new word, first find out how it's related to the words you already know. And if it's possible to associate the new word to the word that you already know, to the words that you already know, do it, associate them, connect them, make those word association and make the mental files or folders in your brain. I believe words are easier to remember when we keep associating them with things we already know. So I hope the missing key technique somehow made sense. Yeah, I hope. And actually it's quite similar to the island technique. Yeah, I think they're very similar. They're both related to association. The only difference is that there's a more specific connection when it comes to the island technique. Say, for the missing key technique, I just put a new key to one keychain that I already have. But for the island technique, this is going to be much bigger. Here, we're learning words in bigger chunks. Say, I'm currently studying business Korean. Therefore, the words that I encounter in the reading materials that I have belong to one island business korean that's like the really big island or the archipelago and today i learned about 가기역 전략. 가기역 전략, which means pricing strategy so 전략, pricing strategy so that's like now that's my island pricing strategy and from the reading material i've come to know other words such as wonka majin and So I'm still making mental folders at the back of my mind. And these words come in chunks into my brain. If I encounter the word kagyokchabyara again, I'll remember that it's part of my pricing strategy island, kagyokchalyak. So I'm, well, I know that's complicated. So, hmm. Um a simple example could be your kitchen island. Your kitchen island. I'm not talking about the kitchen island where you do your kitchen thing, but the kitchen island where you have all your kitchen related words. So, they're going to be all associated with each other. So, the words knife, chop, chopping board, carrots, lettuce, bowl, egg beater, egg, and whatever. So they're like one big island of kitchen words. And it's easier to learn them together rather than learning them separately. So, yeah, that's island. Actually, what I'm trying to to point out is that um, what I've been trying to tell you up to this point is um, what you just have to do is encounter words and associate them with what you know. So I think that's the similar thing between key the missing key and the island technique so or that or you associate them to a bigger concept a bigger word or a bigger island so i'm hoping that it makes sense to you as much as it makes sense to me right now if it doesn't i hope it does sometime even if it's not now i'll i'll also keep trying my best to articulate this idea even better in the future but yeah up to this point, I think I've said everything. Sure, definition, connections, morphology of the word, and context are very important. Now, the work that we really have to do is to make the connections strong, to associate them with something that is already engraved in our brain. Some people use imagery or mnemonics or songs or flashcards, and you can use all of that. It works. Now, hmm. Input versus output. How do you input these words into your brain? Encounter them naturally rather than simply studying vocabulary lists made by someone. Or if if you really want lists, then make your own. That will always work better. But inputs can come in many forms. You know, you can read novels, watch videos, listen to music, talk to a native. These are ways you can have new vocabulary word inputs. Now, output. I believe that output is just as important as inputs. If you don't create outputs, we can't really be sure if your brain actually processed the input. You should always have an output. Either you use what you've learned while speaking to someone or create something. I used to write poems or songs in the language I'm learning. And now I'm trying to publish podcast episodes in Korean and that's one way to create output. And there's a lot of ways you can do that too. Input versus output. Okay, really important. Okay, before I end, I'd share an app I'm using for vocabulary building. I'm not sure if you already know the concept of spaced repetition. Well, I didn't mention it up to this point. But apparently, no matter how strong we make the associations, if we don't keep encountering the word. The chances of us forgetting is still very high. So we need to keep encountering the word and recalling what it means. Or sometimes just recall the word and then recall what it means from nothing. So, But yeah, that's why I'm using Anki. There's Anki Web and there's Anki Droid. I think there's also a paid version for iOS users. For Android, it's free. Um, it's an app that's like a flashcard. I won't explain the details, but I just wanted to introduce it to you in case you haven't heard of it yet. And I've been using it for over three years now, and I make my own flashcards from the words that I encounter, and it helps me not to forget the words that I already know. I hope you check it out. It's really good. And it's not only for languages, but you can use it for anything, like for whatever you can imagine for flashcards. You can make use of it that way. Okay. Uh, explaining things up to this point made me feel like, made me, made me feel how little I actually know about this topic. I mean, there's a lot of, of techniques for expanding vocabulary, and you can always search the net, you know? But these things work for me, so I'm sharing. And though I feel lacking, I think it's okay. I think it's very helpful that I feel this way right now. Because this means I still have a lot of things to learn and that you and I, we're in this together. At least if you're still listening. And yeah, I I still have a lot to learn about language learning or language acquisition. And I've just learned that there's a difference between language learning and language acquisition. There's a study about that, but I won't share the details here. You can look it up, okay? So next week, I'll be sharing about how I make sure that I'm learning languages in fun ways. So I'll, I'll try to make it as fun as I can. So please watch out for it. And that's all for today. I'll see you next time.